0: Face, okay, what do you guys sell
1: You're drowning and I throw you a life jacket. Would you grab it? Yes. Good pick up 200 shares I won't let you down Pay,
0: him. Pay that man his money
1: ask them how they'd like to see 30 40 percent returns. What are they gonna say? No? I don't want to see those returns. Where's the money Lebowski? You're gonna make a lot of money, right? Be aggressive learn how to push show them a 3 percent return I'll trust you to watch his kids.
0: I'm
1: a
2: big fan of money. Move around. Motion creates emotion. I did not know this. That's it. I'm done. Hello, North It's Action Jacks. I'm He's Mr. Matt Weber. S&P futures uh, up $1. $1. Down futures up $37. Nasdaq futures down 250 after a couple of days of rallies and a huge turnaround on Monday after we were down really, really heavy. And uh, so far, we uh, but we didn't close on the highs or anything. So it kind of was uh, looked a tad tired on the close. You know, we'll see if it keeps keeps going or not. Um, so, Matty, have you been interviewed for the coaching job by by whoever's doing the interview? Who's who's in the interviewing? The the uh, the lady in charge of diversity, or what?
3: <laughs> well, they have a, a committee, of course. And uh, I'd love to hear Lou's thoughts on a, a NFL team doing a hiring committee, but they have. Uh, legendary general manager Bill Polian is a part of it, and uh, they have some other folks. On he, he's like 85 or something? <laughs> he's getting up there. Um, Doesn't but, make uh, it bad, you know. <laughs> but yeah, they've begun interviewing uh, general managers and coaches at the same time, which I find kind of strange because, to me, you'd want to hire the general manager and then have them hire the coach, but I'm I'm not the Bears.
2: Um, no, you don't want to be... Well, I mean, you actually love to be one of the McCaskey's. No matter what you do, you make one hundred million a year, or whatever it is.
4: <laughs> the uh... hey, Mister Lou, how are you? <clears throat> good. Holian's um, a friend. Um, He's good friends with my father. Really, really, and, yeah, it's one of these things when you suddenly realize, you know, you have these epiphany moments when you are an adult and your your uh, your parent is sitting at uh, well we were at the Hall of Fame game in Canton for the induction of, uh, of one of the Vikings and um, or no strike that it was somewhere else anyway it was before before Ron Uri got inducted anyway I was with my dad in uh, in uh, Indianapolis for something and Pauline and you know my father said oh I want you to meet somebody <laughs> and Pauline walks up and um you know, he introduced me and he talked a little bit and, and uh Bill said, I'd like i like to just talk to your dad for a little bit if that's if you don't mind, Mike and I said, Sure. I I stepped away. And, you know, he talked to my father for a while and, and then I, I came back. I think we were in a restaurant or, or no, we were in an airport and um he talked to my dad for a while and then I came back over and I said, Oh that's that's kinda of nice. What are you guys trading? Trading team. So you could Guys, now I just you know, what's my opinion on a couple of people, and I sort of had this epiphany that my father really knew what he was doing. <laughs> Imagine <laughs> that, that. <laughs> <laughs> your your old man actually <laughs> knew something. <laughs> Joe coming in for advice and to talk about players and personnel and stuff like that. That was that was pretty interesting. Um, anyway, I I have a lot of not just because of that but I have a lot of respect for him I've heard him on a number of occasions and, and he's, he's pretty sharp I will say that you guys have the same problem the Washington Redskins do at
2: least they got a name
4: and, pardon me? at
2: least the Bears have a name
4: well <laughs> that's not the problem the problem and it's not that you got a bunch of sexual harassment issues with the club when a team is this bad for this long you start looking around for the common denominator and lead coaches, and it ain't the trigger on identification. Um,
2: and and you know, now how many? First of all, the Bears have never lost a star. They paid Red Grange a lot of money, of course. He had money for a long, just by their actions and by you know listening to him forever. How does that to this day seem to permeate the team?
4: But but they are the ones making the ultimate choices on the guys who are doing the day to day running of the football club. Just like Dan Snyder was responsible for people and they, they got, they got terrible football judgment. And so the, the fix is, you know, either get out of the game and get somebody in there so we you, know, you get ownership in there or whatever it is, it's stop whatever you've been doing as an owner since you are the common denominator. Stop whatever you've been doing in, as an owner and And get somebody else to make your management decisions for you. stay away from you know stay away from saying, "I really like this player or we got to fall all over ourselves to get this guy um what whatever but but they're picking they're picking people with some really bad football judgment and they're, and they've been doing it
2: consistently. Well, why, why this is like the third offensive lineman they've picked in the first round or two that has had a bad back and that everybody knew about. I mean, what, yeah. what do they, what do they keep thinking they're stealing? I mean, I, plus they, they got lucky with the one, uh, what's his name? Eddie Rubin Brown, uh, several years, many years ago, they picked the guy up that somebody tossed off another team. It was all pro caliber and somehow he came here basically on the cheap. And was like all pro caliber for about five years, even though the guy was late in his career. And they, they seem to have this attitude that we can pick up offensive linemen off the scrap heap when it comes time for, uh, you know, people getting rid of uh, money for the, I, uh, don't, I don't know.
4: But, but as an old offensive line guy, I will tell you that offensive success begins with those five guys up front. And they can make, they can make an average back. Look really good. They can make an average quarterback look competent, and and Chicago is the place where quarterbacks go to die because Chicago does not protect them. And I, the much maligned Jay Cutler, could have taken you guys to a Super Bowl if if he had been protected, in, even on, on an average, you know, at an average level in the National Football League he got he got beaten to death back there and and on those rare occasions when they could protect him he picked people apart he was accurate he had a strong arm i mean he he has he has the personality of a halibut but you know he he was a good quarterback yeah, yeah.
2: it's a shame a guy like that doesn't land on a, like a better team i
3: you know, well it,
4: it is and, and I mean it's, this this is, you know, Matt Stafford's story, you know, basically. Except Matt the big he escaped. Um but but really I just I I'm I'm sort of surprised I that, that there's not more calling out of the of the McCaskies um uh, and and who they're picking to run the run the program in the Chicago press than there is already. Because because the DC press was merciless with Snyder, and and I don't know if it I don't know if it changed anything. I mean the NFL the NFL is the only I think the only entity that's going to get Dan Snyder away from that club. But somebody you know pressure needs to I think needs to go on the ownership and say you guys are the common denominator. This club's you know. We got lucky in, in, in one year with a, with a kick returner who gave us an extra 150 to 200 yards a game of offense and uh, you know a, a line and, and a coach that was able to, to handle the talent level that he had well they, uh, so, they saw I, the I, I hate watching I hate watching the Bears that's no,
2: pretty bad because
4: I like I like the I like the I really like the club I like some of the people that, you know some of the guys and I have, a, I have an emotional attachment to that but I hate watching them now because it just frustrates
3: the hell they've been unwatchable for the last three years uh, and, and, and several years before that too they've been completely unwatchable and I will say the McCaskies always get a lot of grief uh, maybe maybe not as much as they should because people feel like there's nothing they can do about it but this week after George had that press conference I've never heard of him get slammed as hard as he did this this last week by the press I mean yeah. he got torched
2: well, he couldn't. He couldn't remember. He, he he let out the fact that Paulian's been around like for a while, judging Nagy and the other guy. But then they said, "How long has he been here?" And he he couldn't remember. or Didn't want to say. So, essentially, he hired the guy. You know, uh, I'm sure he's a good guy. Blue likes him. They hired him like mid season to basically watch their guys, which is kind of weird.
4: Yeah, Bill Bill is a Bill is a really smart football guy. He's he actually reminds me, although I think. He may not be quite as cutthroat as as Jim Finks. But he reminds me a lot of Jim Finks. And I, I have more respect for Jim Finks than almost anybody else in you know in football. His son traded on the trading floor, is a good guy. You know yeah, his son? Yeah, no, he's he's and, and smart and, and a great judge of, of talent and yeah. You, you guys you guys should not have let him go.
2: Uh, they couldn't wait to get rid of him because he, he was. In, he wanted. He was promised some power, and then they didn't want him to have it.
4: Yeah, I know. I know. Well, and, what? Uh, and, the,
2: yeah. and the and the, the. I read some interesting statistics yesterday. I've been reading a little bit. I don't, I don't read too much, but that guy who's Biggs or Briggs, the guy in the, the Tribune Reporter maybe? Brad Biggs. Brad Biggs, and he. Uh, Brad Biggs. Yeah. Did, in the last in the NFL, out of the last twenty quarterbacks that were were uh, picked in the first round. Ten of the coaches got fired after their first season. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, uh, I look at something like that and I go, well, obviously, I mean, this guy, Nagy, you know, love him or hate him, he was what, the, he was over 500 with the two, two old quarterbacks, right? And he was two and eight with fields. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I guess yeah. my question yeah. for both of you guys, Matty, football, obviously football, you obviously know.
4: You know, in case you haven't noticed, and, and, and again, people lose track of this, in case you haven't noticed, football's a team game. And, and if you don't, if you don't have the supporting pieces, this is why I think, I think people always look, oh, very, very hard at what happens. It's what's happening in New England and what has been happening in New England. And we had this discussion a couple of years ago where I raised the question, what is it that, that Belichick is doing in New England that allows him to take off the street guys, plug him into his offenses and his defenses, and and you know suddenly be able to to win consistently. And if he gets a Tom Brady for a while, or you get you know, or a couple of other players around him, he can he can turn it into a dynasty. What's he doing?
2: Well, one thing I I read. I wish I still had the article. Some dude did a big, big 10-year history. Their manipulation of the... How many many rounds are there, maybe? Seven? Yep. Their manipulations of rounds four through seven, and, you know, uh, getting rid of a fourth-round pick for two fifth-round picks, and then the fifth- and two fifth-round guys are both playing. You know, in the fourth-round pick that the other team got, the guys out of football, you know, giving up... A seven and a six for a five, and all of a sudden getting a starter in the five spot where the the seven and a six he gave up lasted two weeks in training camp. I mean, the record in the in in studying the the, I'll say the marginal marginally thought of players appears to be light years ahead
4: anybody else's.
2: Yeah.
4: Well, the my take on this, and and this is um, just my opinion. Is that they look for a specific kind of player who can do some basic things that they they need very very well, and that's all. And, and, and their offense and their defense is made up of plays and and movement that that requires maybe five or six basic moves and and basic techniques and their offense and defense is simply a matter of executing combinations of those techniques, of those those you know blocking schemes, those running you know routes, the passing routes. You know we don't need we don't we're not re implementing a game plan every every or a new game plan, a complicated game plan that requires people to learn new skills every week. We simply run off of this basic package of skill sets. And our game plan takes advantage of those skill sets. And that's how we can move from week to week to week without, you know, and plug people in and move people around without, you know, without having to reinvent the wheel every time and getting people confused about what they're doing. I think they look for a very specific kind of player. And, and that's why the, you know, the rookie of the year ought to be that kid that they've got starting the quarterback.
2: Yeah. Well, I have a question for you too. I'll use the term football mavens. It's, it's a close, I mean, nobody knows better than you, Lou. It's a close society. These guys will go to a convention and that's how, you know, this, this de- defensive, uh, backs coach gets picked up by somebody else. If a guy like Nagy goes to that convention now, is he going to be drinking by himself because of the bear experience or are people are going to say, man, good thing you're out of there. I could use an offensive coordinator come out and, and coach with me. Wait, is he tarnished his brand the or? Conference
4: is, the conference is the senior bowl
2: okay so but is he is he within the the group of people that know that know stuff which it wouldn't be me is he is the bear experience tarnished him for life or they go we told you not to go there I'd love an offensive coordinator come on over here I mean where where do you think he lands right now
4: um I well okay so these, these connections as I said the senior bowl is the prime uh job market for coaches um and so so they'll they'll connect with people at the bowl. They'll talk to people at the bowl. They'll go in. They'll end up with their friends and, and their contacts. Um, I think the nature of the league is such that um, it is it does tend to be a closed union shop kind of arrangement with management. So I would say he probably gets picked up somewhere. Somebody who worked with him. Somebody who knows him um will will either tell somebody else who's a friend, hey, this guy's a this guy's a steal, he's back on the market. The Bears are a are a toxic organization. Um you know, he was constrained on whatever. You know, he'll he'll get his story out to his people and and they'll 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 spread it. You know, here's what happened to the Bears. Here's why this didn't work. Um and, you know, I mean maybe some sports reporter will will pick up on On his version of events. Um, but, but that's typically how that, that's typically how that works.
3: The problem with Nagy is that, you know, I actually like him as a guy and I actually believe that his team never quit on him, which I think is the most important thing a a coach can do is get your players up at the pro level, get them up playing hard, not quitting on you because you see so many teams across the league once they're eliminated from playoff contention. They kind of throw in the towel of the last four or five weeks, and I never felt like the Bears did that. The problem with him is he was brought in as an offensive guru and play caller, and the Bears couldn't even score twenty points a game. I mean, yeah. they were horrific offensively all of his years, and yeah. and and the defense is what carried them, which he had nothing to do with, and and he the offense just never improved, and, and it didn't matter which quarterback he had. Um, and And you know I, I think there's a lot that goes into that. I agreed that the offensive line was never as good as it could have been uh, The running game was was always pretty strong, but of course, he would never run the ball there It, it was just a weird dynamic and uh it, it makes you wonder if he came from the Andy Reed tree if Andy Reid was actually the one actually pulling the strings, and it was never him
2: well he run that that 's what happened to charlie weiss but but i mean with Tom Thayer i mean he you know, he has the job there, so he 's not going to be all that. But he, his his he was incredulous the entire season about how you start a year without any tackles on the offensive line. And basically they basically cut both of them. Yeah, because I mean, I, he goes, "How do you do that's, that?" That's,
4: I'm, <laughs> I'm, you know, I, I I say this every year. You know, the team's drafted Justin Fields, or they draft a you know a, a, a Jones, or a, you know whatever. And the first thing I say is, you know, great, you got there, know they they signed Odell Beckham Jr. And the first thing I say is, hey, that's great. But if you don't have the horses up front, and, well, and, and they don't have to all be pro bowl guys, but if you don't have the horses up front to, to A, protect that quarterback, or B, give you a consistent running game so that the quarterback is not looking at a, you know, a, a ears pinned back pass rush every play, they're not going to succeed. Well, and, hey. and, and more importantly, they're not going to get a chance to succeed.
2: Lou, how does a uh, question before I forget, the kid from Notre Dame, the center, who basically walked down and became a starter, which allowed him to move Whitehair to guard, which means their, their interior three people are actually pretty good. I think the, the, that's would help the running game a lot this year. But now, this, so if they, if they didn't luck off and get him, okay, they wouldn't have had a center, or they would have to find another guard somewhere, because Whitehair Ripley's, see white Whitehair or Whitehair? Whitehead? Uh, Whitehair, right? Uh, Whitehair, yeah. He's a, uh, now, they claim he's got a, well, as of now, the, the Bears got, what is it, 30 people maybe that they can leave? <laughs> Their contracts are up. But the center, the kid who walked in, it has a, a team option to pick him up next year at the league minimum. Why would anybody sign that kind of a contract?
4: I'm sorry. So I'm, I did not follow these the, guys. The, evidently I, the center, the kid,
2: the kid from Notre Dame, who just walked in and ended up earning a starting job. Okay, he was right, he was okay. real good at Notre Dame. I don't know why nobody drafted him, but they didn't. So he showed he was up for,
4: undrafted he was an undrafted
2: free agent. Yeah, he shows up and he went wins a starting spot and literally, he has not been out all year. He's played every every game, I think. And and yes. it seems like he's pretty good. And uh I mean I, can't, I mean I can't judge a center, I mean but that well from T V. But they claim he has a a, a a that this team has a an option to a, a team option to pick him up for next year at the league minimum. Yeah. Why would you ever I mean, they have to pay at a minimum why would you ever sign that contract
4: well because you're not drafted and nobody's interested in you alright so they're saying they're, they'll,
2: they'll pay him the minimum this year for like a week because they could have cut him at any time but oh by the way if we even give you a tryout you got to come back next year for the minimum That's I, I don't see how it would get any worse
4: well uh, but I mean, I mean if you can't get into the league any other way you'll sign that deal I mean it. it, it it's a matter of. It's a matter of. How, did he have other teams looking at him? I, I don't know. I think he was. Well, what's he, that, that? He's from the area. Probably
2: just walked into the Bears the first thing. I mean,
4: I've been, I've been in this, I've been in this situation with some of my players, and and you know, first of all, they didn't. I don't. I, they didn't put him in the practice squad. So they signed him to a. They signed him to a legitimate, uh, a legitimate contract. He comes in and, and, you know, this is his option. You know, hey kid, we can put you on the practice squad for, you know, $65, $70,000 a year, or you can sign this, this contract with the Bears that, uh, that'll pay you, you know, 600000 That's an approximation. It's not quite the league minimum. 600000 for the first year. And there's an option if you make the team, if you make the team, then, then you can, you know, we can get you on the, on the, for the league minimum the next year. Now, you know the Bears doing the Bears. uh, You know, I don't know what they'll do. I would, what I would be doing if I was the kid's agent, is is ringing up the GM or whoever it's going to be and say, you know, you 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 got a diamond here, you are lucked out, pay him what he's worth, and and you know you'll have a motivated player who who you can lock down and begin to build an offensive line around. Um. We'll see. You know, we'll see if they do it. I don't know all the details of his contract, but but there's no you 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 don't have any you don't have any negotiating leverage. The only only other options you've got are teams signing you to a practice squad contract, and your options to sign a contract for ten times that. Uh, what well, a You it's only get ten times that the next the, the year after. You're going to sign that contract, right? That's but is the
2: any. Another question, because people have been asking me. I mean,
4: uh, I mean, Chief, if you knew the guy was going to be a starter, then, then, you know, your first of all comes out and you can say, yeah, I could start for a tell. This guy's going to be one of the great ones. But
2: well, Okay, but now in baseball, that would be a $600,000 contract. Now in football, what, what percentage of players, I haven't asked you this question in a couple of years, what percentage now are guaranteed? It's still like none, right? Very few. Alright, so he, when, when you say that, he, he could have played one week, they said, we don't like you, and cut cut you. So he he actually was guaranteed what? He was guaranteed one paycheck.
4: Yeah.
2: I'm, I'm just saying, if, if Lou was his agent, you'd have said, okay, but if my guy, like I think he is, is going to be a starter on your horse bleep line, if he starts 10 games, next year the number's 2 mil, not not 600,000.
4: And the, and the club says, the club says pounce in, and go, go sign to the practice squad with the Detroit Lions.
2: Well, there's no doubt if you want to play at an offensive line, the Bears you, are a place where to they, go. Where
4: they can cut you, they can, they can cut you, you know, in a, in a heartbeat too. That's true. So, I mean, you don't have to go, you sign the best deal that you can, that you can sign, assuming that, you know, things are going to go as well as, as, as they can.
2: Right, well, according yeah. to Brad Biggs, and, and Matty, you know, speaks highly of him, but uh, he's, what he's, is, a what, good. he's a good writer. What, what, what do he say, Maddie, in yesterday's paper? There's 30 people that can, that can leave? I mean, that are...
3: Yeah, they ran a graphic on the, on the game, on the Fox broadcast, last game of the year against the Vikings last week, too. Um, basically, there's 10 or 12 pretty big-name uh, folks, uh, at least, you know, people that are playing a lot of uh, a lot of downs, uh, some starters, some rotation guys on both the offense and the defense and special teams that are uh, unrestricted free agents this offseason. So it's just yeah. just, time, just timed out that way that there's going to be a lot of turnover on their roster this year.
2: Great. Then they, And they got, what, three
3: draft picks or four? Uh, they have more than that, but I think they have five or six. But, yeah, not the full allotment of seven. Well, they don't have a one, right? They don't have a one, and they don't have a three, I believe, but they have two fours. Um, I'd have to pull it up, but something like that. And by the way, the league minimum, Lou, you're pretty much dead on. It's 660000 is the league yeah, minimum.
4: Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I wasn't, I couldn't pull the exact number out of my head. But, so what, basketball yeah, is a mill, right? I mean, the, the, um, the, the short answer is when, when you're negotiating these contracts, the club has, the club has, the club, unless there's a bunch of people after you, if you're uh, a street free agent, you're a, a, a undrafted free agent. It, unless you've got two or three teams bidding on you, you you don't have any negotiating leverage. You simply you have to take the best deal to get the most money for your guy as as quickly as possible. Well, and that that's the way the league works.
2: Well, that, I'm sure that's the truth. Uh, SP Peters up two two fifty. As our up 12, we're going to try and make it three days in a row. you right back, Stocks
1: and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freaks guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Luckbox is 7 dollars on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks.
2: Hello, this is Tom Howell, the chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. Right here, now, big stacks and jacks. I'm Tom, always Mr. Matt Weber on the board. S&P futures well, up three fifty. Nasdaq futures up sixteen. Dow futures up forty five. So leaking up here a little bit. Not that real strong, but so far anyway. Dex down three. Call that flat. Footsie down fifty cents. Call that flat. Pack around down 42, uh, that's, uh, points, 0.6%. Boy, it was a snoozer on the DAX and the FTSE over there today, it looks like. Over in Asia, Nikkei down 276 and they were up a bunch yesterday. That's a full 1%. They were up like 2% yesterday. So Shanghai down 42, that's 1.1%. Uh, they, of course, were up yesterday as well. Hang Seng up 27 points, uh, 0.1%, uh, the, uh, again, they're down a little bit over there, but not much considering how much they were there yesterday. Bonds, uh, pretty much unchanged at one7410 year. The bund minus point, uh, minus point zero six. Just can't make it to zero. You keep getting there, getting close, and it keeps getting slapped back. Uh, Japan, uh, is point one three, which was .16 the other day, so they're down a little bit. Um, oil, down 38 cents, but still way above 80, 80 bucks, 82.26. That's a big rally this week in oil. Rent down 23 cents, 84.44. Natural gas down 22 cents, but 463. So up like a dollar from a low a couple weeks ago. Our Bob unchanged at 238. We've got gold, uh, which had a little run yesterday, but now today it's down two sixty at eighteen twenty-four. Silver up seven cents, twenty-three twenty eight, copper down two cents, four fifty-four, but still high. FCX, which is the stock that most people mess around with if they want to mess around with copper, had a big strong day yesterday. And we've got crypto, Bitcoin down thirteen bucks, so we'll call that flat at 43,790. I got the PPI number coming out today. Um, we had the CPI yesterday at 05 percent or and uh, which is a little hotter than people expected but still not as bad as the uh well just the, the seven of the month the month before, actually the eight the month before and the seven the month before that. Manny, what do you got for us, Traffic Weather Sports?
3: Thirty seven minutes past the hour. Good morning to everyone out there. We have one crash on the area expressways and that's down south. On the Tri-State, northbound, just before Crawford Avenue, there's an accident uh, that apparently has just been cleared, but there's some solid congestion because of it, so expect some delays on the northbound at Tri-State I-294. Somebody
2: hit a person,
3: The person was splattered all over the front. That's not good. Uh, no issues on the Ryan I-57 or the Bishop Ford. Looks like the Stevenson's all quiet. Same for the Eisenhower. Northside Expressways are looking good, too, as is Lakeshore Drive, so we're off to a good start here on a Thursday morning. Off the expressways, there's one crash up in the northern burbs. Dempster Street at Waukegan Road, there is a crash. But everything else, all quiet out there. Weather today, uh, cloudy skies, a high of 39. Right now, it's overcast and 38. So we'll stay right around here in the upper 30s today. For our Phoenix listeners, partly cloudy skies with a high of 72. Right now, it's clear and 46. In sports, the Bulls uh, played a late one at the United Center last night for national TV. It was a 9-10 p.m. central time tip-off. And it was a good game for about two and a half quarters. Tied at 71 halfway through the third when the Nets went on a huge run. Ended up building a 30-plus point lead and uh, beating the Bulls 138-112 to was the final in that one. Uh, Bulls are still in first place in the East, but the, the Nets at full strength look to be a force to be reckoned with.
2: Is that one where you say the game was not as close as the score would indicate?
3: Well, I think the game was closer than the score would indicate if you watched. I mean, it was a it was a tight back-and-forth game for halfway through, halfway into the third quarter, and then Bulls just had a bad cold streak where the Nets made everything, and then it just turned into a blowout. Blackhawks uh, were off last night. They're back in action tonight as the Canadiens come to town. That's a 7.30 p.m. puck drop. Coyotes played... Uh, they beat the Leafs last night, two to one. College hoops: Notre Dame blew out Clemson, seventy-two to fifty-six, and it was Northwestern losing a heartbreaker at home to Maryland in double overtime, ninety-four to eighty-seven. Chief,
2: I have a whole bunch of questions here for Lou. Um, it says here profits for S and P five hundred companies rose twenty-two percent in the fourth quarter, and uh, nearly fifty percent in two thousand and twenty-one. Um, Lou, I was listening to. Uh, your, your girlfriend Elizabeth Warren quizzing in the uh, the the Jay Paul and a uh, uh, she asked a few. I mean, even I mean, no matter what, even though I'm not a fan of the ladies all that much. Every once in a while, she does say something that for whatever reason other people need to say once in a while. And uh, if if you listen to uh, your, I just wonder how the masses of people who somehow or another, I, I guess either they, they went to school too long ago or they didn't study when they were there or something. I'm not, I mean, nobody's dumped. I don't, don't get me wrong there. But in terms of knowledge of some things, I'm sure you run into people all the time that have don't even have a clue as to, as to how a parking uh, parking ticket even works. or I mean, The people have no knowledge of the law at all, and I'm probably one of those people. But I, I'm stunned by the people. Several, are... several, of them, several of them sit on the Supreme Court. Uh, yeah? <laughs> but I, and I have same kind of views with people with... When you have somebody come you start talking about inflation and you have 15 CEOs in a row and they, and they talk about how they managed this despite costs going up and blah blah blah, they managed to have increased margin. Okay, I, if you say this, I don't know how you say, uh, you know, things, uh, it's, it's like, a weirdo story. One of my buddies at Pullman, a guy named Stan, a real nice guy. Somebody interviews with him, and the guy, first he says he was rift, you know, reduction in force, then he was downsized. and Stan looks at him and he says, Hey, buddy, you got bleep <laughs> whatever, whatever you want to call it, yeah, I got fired. Let's just leave it at that. I'm not holding it against you. Just, what's with all these other words? I mean, Elizabeth Warren says to him, so he says to Jay Powell, and she goes, and he said something about, you know, uh, inflation's a problem, but but companies have been able to uh, maintain their margin, or sometimes even increase their margin. So she says, "What you're telling me is they've been able to raise prices because they're concentrated more than they should have by the inputs." And he basically, he, he 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 looked at her like if she had three heads. But that's exactly what he said, right? The, 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 does anybody understand that? That's when people say they increase margin, it means that they raise prices more than quote. You know, they were forced to by by. Uh, does anybody did anybody get that connection other than maybe the the people who listen to the show?
4: Um, I am not an Elizabeth Warren fan in any way, shape, or form. I think she's a uh, unethical and and you know deliberately misleading individual with respect to her heritage and everything else in order to you know promote oh, yeah, the, herself. Yeah, the Indian part, but uh, she was. She was a very effective business attorney for many years. She's gone, she's gone full commie in the last, you know, four or five years, but, but she was a very competent business uh, lawyer when she was teaching at Harvard and, and, you know, knew her stuff. And so it doesn't surprise me every now and then that, that, you know, that those neurons, those old neurons fire and, and she, if you know, she comes up with an astute observation or two, so that uh, would not surprise me, and uh, you know, I, I think that's I think that's probably correct. What what I can't tolerate is the incredible, you know, kind of supporting commentary that's been running interference for the president on this inflation issue for the last you know ten months. Where people saying, "Oh, it's you know, it's temporary. It's not a big deal. We don't think it's going to last." Da da da. And and you know, it, it's eating people's lunch. And it it was it not. And now, except now, you know, this is something you and I talked about many times. Now it's eating people's lunch out in the open. Beforehand, trying to get people to acknowledge or get the Fed or or somebody else to acknowledge that that we were looking at a seg- potential for significant price rises. You know, that was that was. We were we were sort of the lone voices in the wind, but now it's out in the open. Now when you drive to the gas pump, what are gas gas prices are up like oh, you know seventy percent? You know now when you drive to the gas pump, you, you can see those prices. Now when you go to the grocery store and you pay you know another thirty to forty percent for a gallon of milk, you can see how this this is is hitting. And yet they were still gaslighting this. They were still just saying yeah, this it's not really what it is. Just so don't pay attention to the man behind the curtain. Um until recently. And and now all of a sudden you know the light bulb's coming on and people said, Well, yeah, we, we may be in an inflationary spiral and the question now is what do you do to try to stop it? And you and I had this discussion when the first major payments came down uh for COVID, that there was a real danger of of an inflationary uh price rate uh, price spiral here. If, if this money was not you know was was not managed properly it it didn't matter. I, there was a great discussion on um, one of the pod, one of the other podcasts I listened to in addition to stocks and Jacks that that said at some at some point you know with Trump and then this continued on, they decided they were going to ignore the unintended or or the the well-known consequences of of, of paying people not to work. And and stopping um, the uh, uh, evictions and putting a moratorium on evictions and and they had a pretty good idea of, of what would happen here, but they just decided to ignore that, dump the money in because it was politically more expedient, and and here we are.
2: Um, I could say Lou that if, if if somebody gave me, well, somebody knows how to work a computer better than me and and, and two assistants. Mm-hmm. I could write an economic paper that would absolutely say that this is a fourteen to fifteen year phenomenon, and it just it was just exacerbated by this COVID thing. And I mean, when the last in the since the day COVID started, which is what two and a half years, the money supply is up thirty eight percent.
0: That that didn't yeah. happen.
2: That didn't happen during World War Two, for God's sake. I know, uh, but the. And, and you know, what the, the regular citizenry, which I would never accuse you of being, uh, thinks that the unconscionable part about selling, sending people checks and, uh, and the PPP program, which by the way in Illinois was $38 billion or something, uh, and all the other little programs that went with it, you add all those together that I'll say regular people sort of got, it's like 25% of all the money that they now they haven't spent all the other stuff, so that's probably unfair to say. But it's like twenty five percent of the total of the trillion, two or three
4: trillion dollars yeah. they spent. I, mean, the yeah, other I stuff, know, and 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 the response, the response, and this this was well known. This is this is one of the reasons why, you know, Mansion and and Sinema, I mean, and, and the rest of the Republicans, it's one of the reasons why they were not in favor of of build back better. I mean, Manchin pointed out that we hadn't spent we hadn't spent billions and billions and billions of dollars that had already been been thrown uh you know thrown into the money supply as a result of the, of the first bill speaking of which and and asking where that money has gone we know where it hasn't gone right it hasn't gone into icu capacity and and increasing our ability to deal with a covid virus has oh, yeah it? right
2: i, I... I totally agree. I, uh, hey, but I, I have, uh, one, one question here that I, if you don't mind, we, 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 we I think we're still going to be talking about COVID a few months from now. So I have a question here regarding, and I, one, one thing about people in the legal profession, you know, e- even you, and I have, uh, I, uh, have a few judges now that I've become pretty friendly with. I think in order to survive in that, in that business, again, this is just me talking off the top of my head, you guys, and I'll use that term, And ladies have to get almost immune to try and hook one one courtroom up with another. Because if you try and look for uniformity or any anything in the profession, where this guy's guilty, but hey, this other guy walked, he looks like he's twice as guilty as the other guy. It almost seems like judges and everybody they just say, "I I can only control my courtroom. I don't know. I don't even pay attention to what other people are doing." And 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 I can see why people do that, and I can see why you might go in front of a judge and have a really good case. And lose, and lose it, which I don't think you do very often. And yet, in some other place, some other guys got this almost the same case in front of another judge, and he didn't do half as good a job as you did, and he went. The other day, uh, News Radio 78 was absolutely crowing about some guy who, uh, his, his buddy worked at some firm, and he he got them numbers the day before the numbers came out or some crap. So the guy made 110,000, and of course, they tracked him down. There was some FINRA audit. You know, they're, they're the 25-year-old FINRA people that are all over every firm, you know, jumped on this guy, and, 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 they, and they ate him for lunch, and he's he's convicted, okay? Well, of course, we had three people on the Fed that just resigned for just saying. But now here's an article here about your your buddy. <laughs> I love saying that. Uh, Tommy Tuberville, who I think is a total loser, but of Alabama, has, he's been a staunch critic of China and companies there, Yet again, bought stock and options in China, e- e-commerce China, Alibaba last month, a new disclosure report reveals. Tubberville made three separate purchases of Alibaba shares valued at as much as 300000 bucks, which is more than the $110 this other guy made. The buys were made in less than five months after the Republican spokesman said in, uh, in mid-2000, it couldn't, that can't be 2000, it was 20 years ago, he had ordered, he had ordered his financial advisors to sell off a small stake in Alibaba stock, after becoming aware it was in his portfolio. So he made a big to-do about selling it when he didn't know he had it, which, of course, he probably did know. Well, if he didn't know he had it, well, how would he ever find out? Tupperville was revealed in July as having violated a federal financial transparency law, the Stock Act, by failing to file disclosures of about 130 stock and option tra- transactions from January 2021 through May 2021 within a 45-day deadline. How the hell can we prosecute anybody for this crap when, when we let these guys just walk? I mean, I mean, I don't I, mean, I know it's not it's never going to be even, right? The world's not built that way. But how how does this even exist? How is this guy not thrown out of the Senate next week? Uh,
4: I mean, you're asking you're asking me to to explain prosecutorial discretion. And,
2: um, and that, well, at least you at least you named it. I couldn't even name it. <laughs>
4: yeah, prosecutorial discretion, which says we're going to go after some people. We're not going to go after others. You you are living with the with the blowout from prosecutorial discretion in Chicago right now in the form of Ms. Fox, who does not like to charge ellens with crimes and is much more interested in putting people who are dangerous back out on the streets until they do something that gets her attention, and then and then she'll she'll hammer them. Okay, look, how about um, i making make it as simple. Uh, simpler Simply, this is this is not a matter what what you just described is not a matter of some judge who who doesn't like you or who thinks your your case is, is just wrong I, I just I was just in front of one of those um, this is a case where a prosecutor has looked at the case and said are we going to charge this and there will be some justification with with within the prosecutorial chain of command saying we're not going to charge it and here's why or we are going to charge it and here's why. Okay. And and I mean the, the, the because it's a US senator, that discretion determination goes right up to, right up to the top of the chain of command.
2: Right, well the guy have...
4: that you just talked about on, on uh, uh, Sports seven eighty or Talk seven eighty that discretion discussion maybe went up one level and somebody said is he connected? No. Okay, we can
2: charge him. Go. All right, let me ask a simpler question, a more basic question. Won't be simpler, maybe. It's a federal financial transparency law called the Stock Act. All right, so who exactly is charged with enforcing the Stock Act? Is it is it the state of Alabama? Is it the SEC? I mean, the state of Alabama. It's is a federal. You know it's a federal statute, right? Uh, I would imagine, but now is that does that mean the SEC does it? The Justice Department does it? I mean,
4: who? who well, the Justice Department. I mean, I mean. So the SEC has an enforcement arm that is comprised of, uh, you know, DOJ counsel. All the prosecutions for the government are handled through the DOJ. So the SEC will have an enforcement arm that tracks this stuff down, identifies the issues, and then refers it to the the, the appropriate people over at the Department of Justice for prosecution. That's at the federal level. State levels, it's you know, it, it's whatever the state has in place to, to manage something like this but in but the DOJ there's a securities fraud group or, or um, team that works hand in glove with, with SEC's enforcement people and so it gets referred over to them and, and SEC will have a recommendation and if DOJ comes back to them and says we're not going to prosecute this, the SEC people throw a fit, they call their bosses at SEC and say, I need an SEC to DOJ confab because we think this guy or these people need to be prosecuted. And, and DOJ's saying they won't. And then you get, I mean, this is this incredibly bureaucratic discussion, but, but that's where, you know, the prosecutorial discretion uh, over what cases you want to take to trial gets, gets wrapped around or bumps into the desire of the people who are actually administering the law. Uh, with uh, in, in terms of you know their desires for who who they think are, are guilty, well, I could. And even if you have the rock solid evidence in your mind on the SEC side that this guy is guilty or that a particular person is guilty, when you send it over to DOJ, they look at it from the perspective of if I have to try this case, what's going to happen? Am I going to get a, is this guy sympathetic? is this some blatant, you know, thing. Um, It's one of the reasons this Elizabeth Holmes case was watched so closely, the Theranos case, was watched so closely by by prosecutors. Because this is one of the big ones that went to trial. And they did not convict her on more than half of the things she was charged with. And so if if you're a prosecutor at DOJ, you take that into account. You go back to the people at SEC and say, look, I know you've got... What you think is lock solid evidence here, but this person is a sympathetic, the you know, we can't show intent. We just show that this stuff happened. And and the you know, the chief standard of proof, which is everybody knows this, is not going to be good enough for us if we have to take it into a courtroom. I would bet I'll prosecute it.
2: I would bet you, Lou, that this is you know, not that this, these kinds of things frost me, but um, a firm the size of PTI, full service brokerage firm I would guarantee you that if this guy was trading through us, somehow these gnomes would come down on us like a ton ton of bricks. Because didn't you know the guy was a senator? Didn't you know he did 130 transactions in two months? Aren't you supposed to be reporting this? Aren't you supposed to have a heightened uh, look at this? I'll guarantee you he's going through someplace they won't even touch him. It'll be Morgan Stanley or Schwab or somebody. It won't even be an afterthought. Yet if it was us or anybody that they can, they feel they can bully... They'd be all over us. They that's say, probably true. Did you know that Dick Durbin is a senator and he did 140 trades? Did you did you ever ask him if he was reporting these things? Did you did you ever t- you know where was your whatever the words they use where where was your uh, you know what does it say in your procedures about having a senator as a client? Well,
4: <laughs> you well, know I mean? well, well, that's but I, yeah, I mean, I mean, the short answer is that somebody uh, and I don't know the Tupperville circumstance, but. They they may come DOJ make make come to the head of DOJ the attorney general may may look at his people and say okay they pick the phone up they call Tupperville's chief of staff and they say we're not going to prosecute your boss but but you know remember that yeah well, that that that's the kind of horse that's that's horse trading
2: what what you know but it it. When, when that stuff starts to happen, we do, we we lose a little bit of what we're supposed to be. I think. I mean, what do you what do
4: you mean when it starts to happen? Uh, it's always happened at this level. It's well, been going on. It's been going on as far as I can tell since since the eighteen hundreds. Well, let's put it this way: the the the
2: the willingness to go after regular people. It, it, I don't. You know, I don't care if people. I honestly don't care if people do this. If you went back to open outcry again, to where you could see who you were trading with, I'd say get rid of all the insider trading laws. People would learn to police themselves. I don't. I don't have a problem with that. Milton Friedman said that in class when I was there one day. I mean, I don't have a problem with that. But you can't. You can't have this. At at least the person at the SEC, if they're not going to go after this guy, has the obligation, in my mind, to pick up the phone and say, "By the way, how many insider trader cases we got going? Uh, 150. Well, why don't we get rid of all of them?" Because how, how do we how do we continue to prosecute other people when we let other people the same day let them go for the same thing?
4: I, I can only tell you that if you're a prosecutor and I, I was a prosecutor for a while, if you're a prosecutor, these are the kind of you, you make these kind of judgments all the time. You can't you can't throw everybody in jail. You can't. You don't have the resources to pursue every one of these cases, and so you look you look for the cases where it, the the guilt is clear. Where the, the size of the the size of the crime is significant, where whatever, and maybe maybe the prosecutor says, you know what, I'm going to let the Senate Ethics Committee handle this. That this is an ethics more of an ethics thing than a legal thing. I'm going to let the Senate, Senate Ethics Committee handle this, and we're not we're not going to get involved. We're going to chase, you know, we're we're going to chase somebody else. Well,
2: I can only imagine where the, the wolves are going to judge the other wolves.
4: Yes, absolutely. That always works. Well, I, I'm just I'm just telling you, yeah, you I understand. get you put you put these organizations in place, these bureaucracies in place, and and they are charged with exercising their best judgment as to what is going to give them the biggest bang for a buck. And in, in the bureaucratic world of federal prosecutions and the FBI and, and uh Various avenues that that these these cases can can travel down. These considerations come in. I don't have the resources to chase this case. This case will be a whatever. This case is going to give us a lot of favorable publicity. Why do you think the FBI went after basketball college basketball coaches and and movie stars that were were bribing to get their kids into college? These aren't these aren't major crimes.
2: You know why they did it. Because of the publicity, yeah, oh yeah,
4: it brought a lot of good publicity. You can walk around in that bureaucracy and say, "I nailed three NC two A coaches."
2: Yeah, that, or, that, or
4: the, these are the kinds of things that motivate these folks. And you know, if you stumble into the crosshairs and you happen to be a target big enough for them, I mean, why did Paul Martha Stewart get hammered?
2: Because she, she oh, wasn't she wasn't nice to the prosecutors.
4: Well, I, I mean. This is, these are the kinds of things
2: that, that enter into consideration when these kinds of cases move forward. So, Lou, uh, we got a dash, but I have to ask: Are you a candidate for general manager?
4: Uh, no. How do you know? Uh Well, I know because nobody's contacted me. Besides, we have our own little tussle out here in Denver right now, going over over our football club.
2: Is uh what's his name still involved? Elway.
4: I'm sorry. Who Elway?
2: Still was he still a big shot there? Oh
4: yeah. Yeah. So, so they're going to, but they're going to sell the team. The team is going to be able to be sold finally. They, they eliminated a lawsuit that's been going, legal claims that have been going since 2008 from a long dead owner who had a right of first refusal. Uh, he passed away. His corporation, however, kept asserting to the Broncos that they had a right of first refusal over any sale, even though they don't have the money to buy the club. And what they were doing was looking for a settlement, so that somebody would buy them out to to be able to press forward with the sale. And the Broncos called their bluff and said, "No, no, we'll we'll sue you." And uh, and so it, it ran in litigation here in in Colorado State Court. They finally got a decision a couple of days ago, where the judge said, "Yeah, this guy's been dead for a long time. He doesn't have any right of first refusal. You can go ahead and sell the team."
2: Did they? Was he was he murdered, or was he just died? No, he just died. Oh, all right. <laughs> God, am I getting suspicious or what? <laughs> well, this in Chicago. This yeah.
4: is Denver. So he just died. Right.
2: Lou, thank you very much, But Have a good weekend. Get some skiing in if it's good. SP and p Futures up four. NASM Futures up 16. Be right back, Mr. Dan Janinas.
0: Eight eight one zero, or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona.
1: Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks,
0: jocks, dark and dark. stocks and jocks. You are out
2: of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now, right
1: now.
2: There's something happening here. On Heartbreak Stocks and Jacks, I'm Tom Out. Mr. Matt Weber on the board. SP Futures up two, Nasdaq Futures up eight. Quiet morning, mostly to the upside uh, after a uh, couple of days of rally, and well, actually after the huge rally that started about noon on Monday. Uh, Dan, how are you? Good, good. I understand you bought a hundred spoos at noon on Monday, and uh, you're laughing.
5: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, but I'm, I am still laughing a little bit. Uh, we've had a good good start to the year on a on a relative basis, especially last year was great. Um, and, and despite what what uh, a lot of tech investors were seeing, we were actually benefiting um, from some of the rotation that we saw at the beginning of this year. So first two weeks of this year, so it's been a, it's but we're, we're off to a good start.
2: Good, good. We uh actually, I mean, today we don't. I'd rather not go any higher here until we have a chance to adjust, but. We actually actually did some uh we had some yeah, i mean you, i don't know if you're doing the same stuff we're doing with these indexes, but we went from uh you know out of the money puts to puts that were literally like fifteen strikes in the money on on one day yeah. and and we successfully rolled those to you know in retrospect i would have rolled them down even further i rolled them down like twelve bucks and of course the thing flew all the way back to where the next morning we had a we had to roll the other way again but the, that's like, that, that like never happens like that. You know, right. I mean, that, that, that the program's not even designed for that. But if it happens, that's, that's an unbelievable four hours. I mean, that you get on something out of nothing, which is, you know, you can't count on that. You can't even, you can't even tell somebody this might happen because we went years without anything like that happening. Now it seems like it's happening, you know, once every couple of weeks. It's, it's crazy.
5: Yeah. And it just, it's just staying out on top of it and being, being prepared. Or, you know no one went to no one to make the right move um but yeah same same thing on the send. and and um one name that we had mentioned quite a bit when we were looking for yield um was a reIT called self self it's a self storage a public storage reIT and that is up over fifty percent They had a nice run in the last couple of weeks, so that helped that has helped our performance um because we've taken a pretty big position in that name, but we were buying it the stock in the high threes, and now it's in the sixes, wow. and that's all, I mean, a lot of it's due to the fact that this is a good yield play in an environment where we're still seeking yield, um, you know, treasury rates, you know, it's amazing, the story, one week to the next, I mean, 10-year, uh, 174, it was over 180 last week, so the stories change week to week, but we still believe rates as a whole are going higher, and you, you want to protect yourself um, so you have you have to put um, you have to look for those names that going to pay consistent um, uh, income, whether it be in in the form of a dividend or um, you know sort of avoiding or you know avoiding the the U.S. Treasury you know longer end ten year thirty year um, which is continues to be extremely volatile. But there are still names like I use this one example of self that's done quite well in this environment uh, as have the preferreds for um, preferred have done quite well um, another name which we don't mention very often but it's it's had a good run in here in the last few weeks is um, Vanguard has a high dividend fund and for those who want to have exposure to the dividend side and the value side but the dividend side in particular because I talk income VWM um has had a nice run in here recently and I think as we've shifted away from value and more towards growth this is a good position it's just it's an ETF but it's a good position to give you wide exposure to um, the higher paying dividend
2: um, you like that stock. one you and, like that one better than a DVY uh,
5: v, VYM yeah I mean they're they're you know you're um, any one of those names is good this is just a, the one that that we happen to use when um, like I said, and this, I think it makes sense in this environment um, to have, um, although we're we're looking at specific names, but if you want to gain broad exposure, here's an easy way to gain broad exposure quickly if you don't have the time to do the homework um, on the specific names or if you just want to make, you know, rotate because you have to be nimble in this environment to be able to take advantage of these changes and you guys certainly seem to be uh, well ahead of the game as well, so um, you know, just a couple of ideas of how to handle the volatility um, and how to participate in the upside, and and some of the names that have—I wouldn't necessarily say have been left behind, but maybe hadn't been running the same way that the tech names have been running.
2: Yeah, the individual individual stack game right now. I mean, I, I first of all, I, I, full disclosure, fully admit as an index trader for 20 years, uh, the individual—that's why I'm so fascinated by by the stuff you do, Dan, because I, I've just never. I've just never done that. If somebody wants to be wants to be involved in oil, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put them in the XLE, you know, because I'm I'm not going to try and pick the, the oil company because I know if I pick five good ones and and one's a clunker where somebody's, you know, God knows what he's doing with the company money on company time, uh, you know, you can have one loser out of five and and you end up losing, you know, and I, I just great right, right. um, unless you're, you know, good enough to not pick that one. But I, uh, I just. And now I, I just see so many stocks, you know, I have so many people that, you know, the portfolios, I, I, you know, obviously see what well, all they have, even though I just look, I mean, I just run the protected area for a couple of people. Uh, man, oh man, there was some people that had, you know, Monday, uh, you know, there's people that have, you know, the Apple, Apple, uh, Amazon, Nvidia of the world. And, you know, at, at noon on Monday, they're they're on the ledge. <laughs> you know, I don't, yeah. I mean, and I don't even, to, to try and all of a sudden protect that. Now, you know, for me, I just, I don't want any, I just don't want any part of that. I want to be in, into something where, you know, maybe I've gotten too conservative in my old age, but, you know, I want to be in a position where I know right where I'm at and if, and I can roll something and essentially buy down here because I think it's a good buy. But yeah. how, how do you, how do you buy if you already bought and you're getting your butt kicked? I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's weird. It's hard to.
5: Right. How, 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 does it growth? how does a traditionally growth manager end up in a um, uh, value trap? If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. You keep uh, buying, but but um, no, I agree. I think the the thing is our knowledge of the of the markets and, and you know really how the how trading, you know the flows of trades and the flows of funds and investor psychology and and although it doesn't always make sense, there usually is some there is usually some sense. Um, if you really dig down and you look at where numbers are and where the common, you know, you know what the Fed is expected to do, which has now become pretty um, commonplace and pretty much built in. I think four, four increases in 2022 is pretty much the the norm, and I think it's already built into the market. So that if there was some action that was, you know, considerably less or considerably more than four. Increases, then I think we might see a move. But otherwise, I think that's built in, so we don't have to watch day to day so much when it comes to some of the bigger economic news, or certainly when it comes to fiscal policy. What um, I don't think there are going to be any surprises on that end. My only concern going forward is I was looking March fifteenth is the there's a meeting at the end of uh, January twenty fifth, but then March 15th, we have another meeting. I mean, I am hoping, I mean, it's clear as day that we have inflation. The number came out at 7%, which is high, highest in four years. I am hoping if we don't have a small sell-off, say, or inflation comes down a little, that the, the Fed doesn't, you know, decides to sidestep. That, I think, would lose a lot of confidence, and the, the market would lose a lot of confidence in that move. Um, I think the market really w- wants and expects to see an increase, and I think we can position our portfolios to take advantage of that, or to be well positioned to protect ourselves—in uh, other words, staying out of the long, long end of treasuries—and um, you know, not necessarily staying out of the market, but just making sure we're in the market in the right places.
2: Well, Dan, how? Uh, I know it's been a—it's been a real long time since the inflation went through the last time. And I mean, I, I, mean, I, I can remember—you know—how many how many basketball games I used to play a week back in those days. Uh, <laughs> that's not happening anymore. But uh, I, I mean, how, how does anybody? How collectively do you get a, a, a supposedly well-educated populace, uh, and I say supposedly, how do you get them to believe that uh, at the end of next year, if you're if you're going to end up at 1.5% as your rate, that somehow you're the inflation warrior? Why would anybody believe that that is going to have any effect on inflation? Oh, that'd make yeah. it worse.
5: Yeah, it could. I mean, it, it absolutely could. I mean, and 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 that's the thing. And a lot can change between now and then. And that's the, I think the thing to be careful of is you have to watch it, but you can't overwatch it. If that makes sense, right? I right. agree. You're you're if you're if you're um, wanting to make moves day to day. I mean, there's other commodities or other other investments that make more sense rather than trying to follow the, you know, the the whims of the of the Fed, the daily whims of the Fed, or the daily report that comes out that you know from one of the Fed um presidents or you know, the somebody who's just making a, a comment that's going that may make may make the market think, hey, they're gonna wait another till, you know, the next meeting. Um yeah, I, I think it's very difficult to to try to manage money that way. I think you have to look longer term and whether it be one and a half, I mean it's 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 sort of hard to say where where this is going to end up. One part of the curve though I will notice that it's been creeping up and if you look at the two-year, I mean, it's crept up quite a bit, um, you know, over the last six months, certainly over the last year, and we're at 0.92. And that's pretty, um, you know, that's starting to get into territory where, you know, a 1% two-year doesn't look too bad. I mean, 1.5% or one three quarter percent ten-year has a lot more interest rate risk with it, but a 1% two-year doesn't. So that is some that's an area that I think to follow and, and pay attention to. I think that number continues to grow higher as um, I think after the next um, or the first um, set increase that number goes up even more. You can make money in the short end by buying floating rate notes by buying floating rate ro- floating rate note ETFs, FLRN. I think we talked about that one FLOT is another one um, BKLN is the same. So there are ways of making money as interest rates are rising and as short rates are rising. You're gonna the um, you're you're gonna get that. um, It's it's like buying a money market fund. You get the higher yield as as yields go up. So those are funds to pay attention to. I think going forward, if you want to put some money in the fixed income market, or if you have to put some money in the fixed income market, and you're and you're concerned about the, the volatility or or the Fed or the you know the direction of interest rates you, you got you get you're getting enough right now or you will be getting enough in the short end to be able to do a short term floating rate and generally um three months to six months is when they reset, so you're gonna always be getting the higher rate every three months or every six months depending on the on the uh fund and the how do supply. the uh, and,
0: how do
2: the inflation guys work? Have you put anybody in those yet? The inflation, budget
5: you know, I have a, I have one fund that's that's interesting that I'll mention. That I think makes sense, and it's not so much an inflation... It's not a tips fund because we do want to look at tips because we we do want to look at real yield here, and we do see re, re, real yields going higher, especially during a period of growth. So, so I think that's a good investment. And again, I would stay shorter on the curve with that um, for the same reason. However, um, there's a um, high yield. Uh, it 's the ticker symbol h y z d and what it is is high yield zero duration so the you 're basically taking out the interest rate risk and you 're buying high yield bonds that um, still have room to go, as we mentioned last time high yield is the sector of the market that just based on the spread over the comparable treasury is not trading at a historical high right now, unlike the S&P, unlike the NASDAQ, unlike the Dow, um, high yield still, you can quantitatively see, you can see the numbers. It still has a way to tighten. And if you're going to play high yield and you don't want to go you know, out to five-year high yield bonds, uh, but you want to get a broad exposure, HYZD will give that to you. High yield, zero duration. And so what it does is it takes out the interest rate risk and it's focusing on um, real yield movements in the in the um, high yield market, and there's still spread tightening potential going forward there. So that's what I would consider a stable way to play. I do think we uh, play high yield uh, or play a fixed income. Be involved in fixed income. I do think we have a ways to go. I don't think we've we've had any major economic news that's going to. Um, you know, t- take us back at all. Back at all. I did read a little bit about stagflation, and the you know have have listened to the concerns about that. But I think our economy is too strong. There's too much money in the system. There's way too much money in the system still, and um, it would have to have it would have to be a crash all at once, all the way around. Very unlikely.
2: Bien, how can you? Uh, we had this discussion uh, yesterday. I made a chance to listen, but how can how can you? I mean, everybody. And I, you know, I, I, if I, if pressed, I would probably come up with the same answer, but how, how do you have any idea whether the economy is strong or not with the amount of money in the system? I I, mean, I, I go into a Home Depot or a Lowe's or someplace and I, I'll, I'll, I'll bet you an adult beverage that their actual stuff they're selling, the, the quantity of things they're selling is less than it was two years ago. It's just the prices are way. And
5: I I agree with you on that. I think there's a certain point that you decide. You know, same thing if you're buying a car right now. You know, do you really want to pay? I heard some number like forty-seven thousand being the average price of a new car, and you know, up considerably from a year ago. Um, and do you, or do you really want to wait and see if this chip shortage is really you know is for real and is going to give us um, you know give you if you buy some time in here um there will be a point i believe just by human you know human nature is if you know that prices are coming down in the near term you're going to wait however if you have the need now and you have the cash you're going to spend it and that is what has been happening people have do have the need they do have the cash and they are willing to make those um moves right now when that changes i'm not sure it could be sometime over the next year And that'll that'll obviously help on the demand side, and demand again is you know the supply demand picture has to come back in place before things are you know pricing is normalized. But inflation, to a certain degree, is going to be here, and and as I've said many many times over and over again, wage inflation is is the biggest concern. It's the stickiest inflation. It's happening already. It's likely to continue to happen. There's still high demand. a lot of, you know, people who are coming back into the market are can name their price. Um, they can, you know, they can be selective about where they work. And, and um, you know, that goes for lower wage as well as middle wage workers
4: as well. It's, it, it, well, it seems
2: um, like the, uh, and I don't know, you know, it almost, if you have any sort of, and I think you and I both do, if you have any sort of morals in the world, I mean, the, the places that you want to buy, in, in one man's opinion anyway, you want to buy the place that it has managed to, despite government's zero effort, is, is a place that has made why you fear cartels and monopolies. They can raise the prices and nobody can do anything about it. I mean, I, I wonder, I mean, I don't know if I'm a believer in the chip shortage when there's what, two or three chip makers in the world? Right. <laughs> do, do, I, do I think that, the, that there's really a shortage? I don't know. I'm, I'm not that, I'm not
5: that young and I'm not. Here you have fewer players in the market. It's easier to hide. And, that's what you have. To, that's what you have to pay attention to. How much of it's real and how much of it's you know the sort of gouging, if you will, in the in the short run.
2: Yeah. Why are, our, uh How can I say this without being a knucklehead? Uh, maybe I already am a knucklehead. How is it that that people will and you just did it will, will bitch about the gas prices going up some and and yet I'm going to say to most of the people listening and on the show the The price of gasoline because we 're not none of us are traveling salesmen uh, is a very modest amount of our discretionary income i mean people sure. people will uh will rant and rave if the ga- if gas is up twenty cents yet if if they find out a neighbor or a family member or somebody is in an emergency room for an hour and the bill's ten grand, they just accept right. it or or you go into Home Depot and you see the price of plasterboard is, you know, 18, but it's up 22% in the last month or something, I heard. I mean, why, 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 yeah. why is is it just press? I mean, I'm gonna say out of virtually all the things we do, and uh, products we buy, and places we shop, that the gas station is infinitely more competitive than your Lowe's, your Home Depot, uh, Walmart, if you're in a smaller town, there's only one store. I mean, in Chicago, it's different, there's a lot of places. I mean, why don't we understand that <laughs> as, as people that have allegedly gone to school for a day or two?
5: Right. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I. No. I. T- I'm totally on board. Board with you. And and it's. And I actually kind of laugh too because relative to what you're paying for for rent or or housing, and housing would include things beyond. You know, they include repair work if you if you own a house house outright, but they also include things like property taxes and they'll it, it'll include um you know, general maintenance. Uh, you know, if you're in an HOA, those those are all going up for different reasons. So your HOA um, fees are going up for for different reasons. So, so it's um yeah, it's widespread inflation, and the numbers are much bigger on items that are much larger, like a home um, or a car, um, than than your you know the weekly amount that you spend on gas. Which you would think, and with all the people working from home, that might be more of a variable cost than a than a fixed cost now. Um so so I agree, but I think it's I think the thing is it's what stands out. It's, sure it's something that everybody sees. You know, it's it's a, uh, you know, once a week or so or or more often for many people. Um you know, you you, you see see the change and then um <clears throat> that that's for whatever reason that's just been, you know, one of the you know, one of the uh, source blocks I guess with consumers. You have to look at the bigger picture, and you have to look at what prices are doing. You have to look at what what, housing. I think is where you have to start. Um, Also, I think you have to look at wages. Um, You know, have wages gone up? Commensurate with um, prices? And I, I still, I don't think we're there. I think there was this huge um, uh, period of time, almost forty years, where wages were, you know, relatively flat, especially um with compared to, you know, inflation and how much your home was worth. Um, you know, when my dad bought his house, you know, right out of school, out of law school, he bought a house that he still lives in today and I could not have afforded the house he lives in today right out of graduate school. So sure. no, you, you, no. Know, you have to think about the, the value of money in the in in you know on in those terms and really not on the you know, my paying an extra fifty cents at the pump. So I uh, you know, I'm in total agreement with you. It's it those of us who are in the business will tend to look big picture and I don't know about you, but I'm thinking about these things all the time oh, yeah. you know well, how is this related and why are people reacting like like that you know and um, you know what's going to keep things going and I really think in, in the end what's going to keep things going is more people getting back to work, more incentive for people to get back to work, greater incentives for people to get back to work and work environments that are um, you know that allow Workers to perform at their, you know, at their best, uh, most being the most productive, um, while at the same time keeping costs down. So
4: oh, you're right. So right. That,
5: my my hope would be that we get back to a place where work ethic becomes a a an important ethic and um, work-life balance should be. But but work ethic is very very important. I think in getting the the um, uh, expanding the um, Economy continue, you know, the economy continuing to grow, and for people to be more comfortable.
2: I agree, Dan. I, I was doing some uh, work yesterday on, on wages in the last twenty, thirty years, and I, I don't know. There's got to be a name for it, and maybe you can, in, in the mathematical world. But as, as time goes by, and you, 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 uh, you almost, you almost like you need a reset, and just about, and just about all the statistics that you and I look at all the time. Because they're, they're, they're so far off because of the percentage creep and how, you know, well uh, if, for instance, if, if, if somebody, uh, you know, your inflation is, uh, is, you know, 7% or whatever. It's, I think it's a lot higher than that, but that's another story. Uh, but say it's seven and you say, God, somebody just got a, a raise from 10 bucks an hour to 11. He's ahead of the game. I'm going to say, no, he's not. I mean, no, because no, you're no. not even, you're not, I mean, like, like you mentioned, uh, your, your dad's house. Well, when, when I was at Pullman in 1978, I'm gonna say somebody who worked in the, one of the union guys, uh, they could make, you know, eighteen twenty grand on the, on the, on the, on the you know, as a welder, alright? Maybe they do a couple of days on Saturday overtime or something, but basically that's where they were. And a, and a house was 45,000, a car right. was four, and a Notre Dame education was four a year. Well, you know, so you're, you're not, you know. and Now you compare somebody in that same sort of job. Say he's making forty or fifty. Well, hell, a house is three seventy. A car right. is forty five if you're lucky. Absolutely. And oh, by the way, the Notre Dame education is seventy. So somehow or another, we we need to go back over these numbers and reset them. I mean, I was talking to a guy who owns a restaurant last week, and he, God, you don't know, cook. I or I gave him a raise from ten to fifteen. What more does he want? I go. You can't go out of your house now for less than twenty bucks. What's what's the matter with you? <laughs> you know, plus yeah. plus you raise the price of the omelets two bucks, and the guy pops out forty omelets an hour. I mean, it's <laughs> I mean, really you are going to give the guy you are going to get eighty more dollars. You are getting on his work, you know, not all on his work, obviously, but eighty more dollars you are charging, and, and all and you're gonna wanna, you are going to want to you want to give the guy all of four of that. Well. Keep your shirt button don 't let your heart pop out of your chest i mean i mean what are you, what are you what are you doing i mean we 've almost got to the point where we don 't even recognize how absurd like a a ten percent raise to somebody making ten bucks even is i mean uh, oh,
5: absolutely absolutely and I think there's i think the the uh, the the people who are instrumental in making the, making this work are people who are small business owners and large business owners um, and people that can get down to those to that level and kind of do their you know their own math in terms of what it what it costs for that person to live, and what really would be a substantial increase, and and, and make it, you know include incentives that would allow that person to, you know, whether the incentive be overtime or whether the incentive be, you know, some health insurance or something else that's going to give that person a, you know, some other break, you know, maybe um, flexible work hours or something that's going to give that person a little bit of a um, a little more incentive so that they can hold on to the good people. I think those are really the, you know, that's really where this sort of fallout is going to be with the great resignation is getting the good people back in the positions that, um, you know, have the work ethic, provide, you know, sort of encouraging that work ethic and encouraging um, that. But there has to be some give on the other side. Dan, we got a
2: dash, buddy. Let's have a great, uh, new year. We weren't on last week because of the COVID stuff hitting the, hitting the place. Yes. Um, let's have a good new year for us and our clients. So we get more clients and, uh, and, uh, cause I got room for a few, not too many. We got plenty of them, but, uh, a few. We can always use a few more, right? Sure. Especially, Absolutely. especially if they're the, they're the right clients. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Take care, buddy. SP Futures yeah, up 10. The SA Futures up 36. Be right back. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to ptisecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's ptisecurities.com. Stocks. Jocks. And jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out
3: of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Right now.
2: Well, welcome back to and Jackson, Jackson. I'm Tom Allen, just from Matt Weber. SP Futures up 9. We have the Producer Price Index came in at a positive 0.2 versus a, a 0.4 estimated versus 0.8 last month. So that's a, uh, CPI was a little hotter than expected and the PPI is a little colder than expected. So not sure where that leaves us, but, uh, um, it leaves us where it leaves us. How's that for a statement, right? SP Future, well, I, what did I just say? SP Futures are, uh, up 11 trying to get the Dow futures here. Um, the uh, our futures are up 68. Sneak over to Europe. We've got the DAX up 31.2%. Footsie up 10. These guys have moved up a little bit here. They were almost flat last time we went through this. Putsi up 10.1%. Uh, around down 29. We're going the other way, 0.4%. Uh, over in Asia, we've got the Nikkei. Given back some of what they made yesterday, a huge up yesterday, down 276, it's a full 1%, Shanghai down 42, it's 1.2%, Hang Seng going the other way, a little bit anyway, up 27 points, uh, 0.1%. We've got Bonds up uh, two basis points now to 1.74, uh, they were actually down a little bit before, uh, Bund uh, minus 006 uh, they're actually down a basis point. Japan is unchanged at positive .13. We've got oil up down 39 cents, but still over 82 bucks, 82.25. Brent down 19 cents, 84.48. Natural gas down 25 cents, 4.60. It's still, it went from like 380 to 4, to 4.90 in about five days. I mean, it's really unbelievable what's going on with natural gas. Arbob, uh, unchanged at 2.38. Uh, gold, we're down 6.50 at 1820. Silver down a penny, 23.19. Copper down a penny to four fifty six, and we have uh, Bitcoin up one hundred and twenty two to forty three thousand nine twenty seven, and very quiet trading. What we have for us Trevi Weather Sports, mate.
3: Thirty seven minutes past the hour. Good morning, once again to everyone out there. We're still uh, pretty quiet out there for a Thursday morning on the area expressways, roadways, and tollways. That earlier crash on the tri state is all clear. And no accidents to report on any of the other area expressways. We are seeing some traffic building on the inbound Ryan and also on the inbound Stevenson. Uh, but those are our only two red spots right now. Eisenhower still looking good. Same for the Edens and Kennedy, as is Lakeshore Drive. Only crash in the area is way out in the northwest suburbs. Sullivan Lake Road at Route 59, there is a crash. But everything else looking good out there. Weather today, it's going to be kind of a dark and dreary day uh, throughout the day. Not expecting much for uh, rain or snow Uh, But uh, dark, overcast skies, a high of 39. Right now it's cloudy and 38 degrees downtown. Could see some uh, winter mix later on tonight and some lake effect snow uh, tonight and into uh, Friday as well, but uh, uh, not during the day today. For our Phoenix listeners, partly cloudy skies with a high of 72. Right now it's clear and 47. In sports, the Bulls and Nets were back and forth for two and a half quarters, and the Nets. Put their foot on the gas and pulled away late, uh, blowing out the Bulls in the fourth quarter. Final was 138-112. to 112. Uh, Derek Jones Jr., 30 seconds into the game, left after a scary-looking uh, non-contact injury. We'll find out what the extent of that is this morning, but it looked like either a bad hyperextension or possibly worse, like an ACL tear or something like that, uh, as he landed awkwardly. Blackhawks were off last night. Hey, yeah, where's he from? Uh, where's he from originally? I have yeah, no idea. I mean, I uh, went college. Um, I actually don't know where he went to college. He was not a big name college guy. Um and usually I know where everyone went to college. He, he uh, played some, for Radford. Where's that? I've heard the name. I don't even know where that is. Yeah, he, uh, he played uh, at UNLV, it looks like, uh, uh briefly, and then he, and he played at Radford. That's a a small, you know, mid-major school. I I think Radford's on the East Coast, but I'm not sure. Uh, But yeah, he was a a kind of a late bloomer guy uh, from the suburbs of Philadelphia, and he's only 24 years old now. Uh, but he's been in the league for a few years, and uh, and he's really athletic. And yeah, he's got a skill set for sure. He's got a seven foot wingspan, even though he's only six six, and he has a you know like a forty five inch vertical. So they like him because he can kind of guard the two through the five in in short spurts if you need him to. Well, I just hope he's not too too young to have a nasty injury. For yeah, the guys. Not, that no, not that there's any good age for it. There's not. Blackhawks are off last night. They'll host the Canadians tonight, 7:30 p.m. puck drop at the UC. Coyotes played and they topped the Leafs two to one. College hoops: Notre Dame, no problem with Clemson, uh, winning 72 to 56. Northwestern lost to Maryland in double overtime. And I wanted to mention uh, because I didn't mention it the first hour, uh, John Lester is announced his retirement. Yeah. Uh, the uh, he turned 38 last week. Finished with 200 wins in his career, not counting his uh, many playoff wins, uh, but 200 regular season wins against 117 losses, a 3.66 career ERA, um, and uh, had a a great uh, run with the Red Sox and the Cubs, mostly uh, winning three World Series in his career as as pretty much a number one starter on all three of those World Series uh, championship teams. Uh, So congrats on a great career to John Lester.
2: Pretty much renowned for... uh you know, every fifth day for 20 years. Yeah. you go. You know. Stayed
3: healthy and was consistent. I read that he actually, uh, his, he, I think he was eight years with the Red Sox and five years with the Cubs. And, uh, regular season wise, for both teams, he finished with the exact same winning percentage and the exact same ERA. <laughs> wow. So over a, you know, 13 year span where he, like you said, took the ball every fifth day. His numbers were exactly the same at, at those two runs, ERA wise and winning percentage wise.
2: It's well, who's who's the guy? And I don't expect you to know this, but it's a, a real popular Hall of Fame dude was either Stan Musial or Al Kalin. One of those guys that their their batting average is exactly the same on the road as it was at home. Yeah, that's rare. How do you? I mean, especially how do you,
3: with the stadiums being so different and yeah. the altitudes and things like that to be the exact same.
2: Yeah, it's a. Uh, so, so John's batting average was the same on the road at home, I understand, <laughs> Mr. Flanagan.
6: It's not published, Tom. <laughs>
2: it's, not, it's not published. It's a... <laughs> God. Um, it's unpublishable. Yeah. So uh, what would you think about your your, your buddy, Tommy, Tommy Tuberville, uh, about 130 violations of the Stock Act? <laughs>
6: that's some sort of... Is that a record, Tom? I, mean,
2: <laughs> I, I don't know. It's pretty... That's a lot of trades. I, I mean, I... I mean, I, I I do that kind of trading, but God, that's my job. How, how do you how do, how does anybody I mean, just just think of that for a second, John? You of course picked that up. How does how does a uh, a, a guy who's supposed to have a real job do 130 trades in a quarter?
6: Well, it's a questionable one.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you know,
6: yeah, yeah. There it, it, it is there is kind of a, a disbelief about it. I mean, it, it begs you know. You, you need answers to a lot more questions than just that
2: number. So. Well, especially when he has the nerve to say, "I, I called my invest my investment advisor. Of course, I am not supposed to know what he even has, and uh, I told him to sell Alibaba. I don't want anything to do with China. And then four months later, buys it back. I mean, like really? You know, I, you know. Of course, he had no knowledge of. Of Trump gonna, gonna try and squash the Chinese. Oh, of course not. not. And, and it has, it has no, no, no knowledge now that evidently the whole world's opening up again for the Chinese, right? We're, we don't care about no stinking slavery or anything over there anymore. I mean, ignorance. So, yeah, totally. I mean, it's just, I don't get it. So, hey, uh, the average, uh, I guess the story of everybody moving out of Manhattan, the average apartment rent in Manhattan is 4440 in December. Uh, highest ever. That's a number, Matty. What do you think for like a studio or something? It doesn't say how big the average apartment is.
3: Well, the average apartment I assume would be bigger than a studio, but but still, forty-four forty is astronomical. The more, white like l- a lot of
6: those apartments have bathtubs sitting in the middle of the kitchen too, like a yeah. lot of places in New York.
3: Yeah, yeah. If you, and if you're on the lower end of that, and you're paying, you know, call it twenty-five hundred, which is still a considerable amount for what you're going to get in new york because like john said you're yeah that's that's the studio with the bathtub in the living room and and the yeah you're living in a closet and you're still paying more than you would pay for a solid you know two bedroom in chicago the more widely watched boy, what even is
2: this net effective median rent rose to 33.92 all right so that's the difference between the mean and the median all right? highest level for december on record the report said, while many landlords are trying to work with existing tenants to limit increases, some are being quickly priced out of a market they were finally able to afford in 2020 and now they're being, they, they, they could move into places and all of a sudden they're asked to get the hell out! You know, yeah, hey, I saw you for two years, Webby, get out of here. You know, there you go.
6: I'm sure there's got to be some factor in there for landlords trying to make up for, you know, the months when they had non-performing leases or moratoriums on evictions and you know it isn't so much that there's a crunch that people are dying to live in new york but this is what landlords feel they have to charge in order to make up for their past losses and it's going to squeeze you know the, the people who are just getting by completely out of the market so.
2: well that's a uh, that's after tax so what is that that's got it's 50 grand a year in rent that's a number Right, and you look at the job
6: situation for, you know, the, the sort of people who would tolerate living in some of those places. I mean, these are not you know, executives with corner offices, a
2: lot of them, so. Man, did you ever see the, uh, uh, you've been to New York a couple times, but you always went with the the, the, the lovely bride and, uh, you know, had a nice time. I I'm, I want to say on every black, but damn near every black in New York, it's like nobody cooks there. I like mean, I don't know if they have full kitchens or what, but virtually every block there's a, there's a store, for lack of a better term, with some massive buffet in the thing. Of, every of course. Kind of, yeah. Every kind of chow you want. And people just go in there and <laughs> load it up and go upstairs and have, there's the Chinese section, the Mexican section, the rib section, the steak section. I think those things, God, who, who cooks for that stuff? I mean, how many, how many, for those that don't know, Maddie's brother's a, a big time chef. How many, how many, how long would it take him to make like 50 entrees of every, every nationality in the world, like every night? for for 100 people to walk in the front door and just walk out with stuff.
3: Yeah, it's a good question. New York is 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 so unique in in the US anyway. It's it's there's no other city in the US like it. And 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 for all of those reasons I love it. Me too. But um and I've always loved New York and and been there uh, a handful of times and can't wait to go back and I I went there during COVID even and still enjoyed myself. But um but they really are making it hard to 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 live there. Uh, harder than it's ever been and pricing people out and uh, being crazy with with some of their restrictions i think compared to other cities um yeah i think it's too bad because they certain people are, are are potentially ruining one of the great you know u.s treasures in my opinion
2: well it, it got to the point where uh you know, we've got a contributor to the show on time to time and uh to the son who uh, went to work in new york and uh and he you know right out of I think he went to business school, but I'm, I'm not sure. But he, I mean, his, his starting salary at like Morgan Stanley or somebody, I think was like you know 110 or something, and a, which is kind of a lot for somebody coming right out of school, or say 120. But if you're paying rent of 50,
3: yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, don't know. I, if how, I don't know if that is a lot in New York. I I, I bet that's for that that uh, business that industry. That's probably average in New York.
2: I know when I when I got out of school, my buddies. Uh, you know what I'm talk about John. He went to New York. He worked for a uh, Manny Hanny, Man- manufacturers Hanover, which was a big, big bank that got bought by somebody. who Got bought by somebody. Who got bought by somebody. And I think he, I think his salary. <laughs> matter of fact, he was a he was a bartender out on the Cape, right? and uh, and you know the Cape. Obviously, if you're if you're a bartender out there, you did really well in the summertime. Everybody coming out there, the tourist trade. He, so the bank offers him, like, some incredible number of, like, 15 grand a year or something. <laughs> this is 1976, and he, and he's like, and, of course, they wanted you to look like you were, the, you were the chief executive every day, so you needed, like, six or seven suits, you know, 20 shirts and ties. So I mean, your wardrobe was probably more than, than the guy's first year salary, and, uh, because let's put it that way. When we graduated in those days, nobody had a suit, right, John? Oh, God, no. <laughs> We had jeans and a t-shirt. That was about what you had. And, uh, so, and he, and he had to get an apartment in New York. And so he, his, he roomed with his sister. So he, they shared a place. And somehow he, he pulled it off with the, with the 15 grand. You know, when you were going out and I went there one, a couple times on business trips and kind of crashed in with him. And we had a riot going down to the village and stuff. But I don't know how the hell you, you what, I mean, then, but now fifty grand for an apartment. I mean, I think it was always tough, but New York, you know, you got paid enough there to to make up for it. And I wonder, this has caused an amazing thing where people have have left there and worked from home. I mean, Kenny, well, po- 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 Kerry tells us there's people that are allegedly still working in New York that are living in
3: Florida. Well, that's the great trade that you can make now if you can get away with it. Yeah. Still make the New York salary, but go live somewhere in Texas or Florida or wherever Arizona, where it's way cheaper. It's warm. You're working remotely. And, uh, and you're still getting paid those New York wages. That's the move if you can do it.
2: Where do you, uh, you just, I, I should, I don't, John, you may know this. I, I suppose I should know this. If you do that, are you, are you, uh, still paying New York taxes or, or do you, I, I'm guessing that if it was, say if it was PTI, PTI Morgan Stanley, what's the difference, right? That if, if it was PTI, if we had a branch in Florida and you all of a sudden moved from New York to Florida, I guess we could pay you out of that branch, and you'd all of a sudden be a Florida resident. And not yeah, I'm it. sure that could
6: be done. You know, from a bookkeeping standpoint, without running a problem of the tax code.
2: So I'll bet New York is is trying as best they can to make sure that doesn't happen, though, under state income tax.
6: Oh, that's the last thing they need right now. You know, New York is. A, it's, I, I'm with you and, and Matt. You know, I, I love New York, and I've had wonderful times there. And, you know, it's an exciting place to visit. But the way I've seen it. Veer back and forth over the years gives me, you know, some concern about its future and, and likewise Chicago's future. But I, I first saw it when I was a kid, I mean, we went on a family vacation there in 1956. And of course, seeing downtown Chicago when you're four years old is kind of a shock if you don't yeah. hang out there all the time. New York just completely bowled me over. I just, I was just absolutely thrilled to be walking down these streets with my parents and just seeing all this stuff and, and just be part of that electric kind of atmosphere. The next time i was there when i was in college courtesy of, of notre dame who sent me and my debate partner to a debate tournament at columbia in fall of 72 Oh, that must have been cool that was great we <laughs> stayed at this bag hotel in midtown manhattan would, the, the, the college paid for the airfare and accommodations and all that but i, I was just absolutely crestfallen as soon as i got you know, situated and started walking around because the, the city was absolutely filthy there, there wasn't an inch of the subways inside or out that, that weren't just blanketed in graffiti and you know my partner and i went down to you know see this, the twin towers being built and hung around wall street but it, every place else was just seedy beyond belief oh, yeah. i remember thinking
2: well they put the graffiti ah. in the cars on purpose
6: yeah, yeah it was just but but you know i thought how do people and at that time chicago just looked Steam back in Chicago was pretty grimy in 1972 as well. But then later on, you know, when I spent more time there in the 80s and 90s, um, it, was a, it was a completely transformed place. It was just it was like a world class city on every front. I mean oh, yeah. and it, it, I felt safe everywhere I went. Everything was much, safe for
2: clean there. And yeah, and much safer there. Much safer there, and then in Chicago. Well, I mean, even yeah. when
3: I was there, uh, the last time I was there was not that long ago. It was, it was during COVID. I think it was. Uh, October, so, you know, three, three months ago. It felt 10 times safer than Chicago. It felt 10 times cleaner. The subways didn't have the trash and the, and the, the riffraff, you know, roaming around like they do here. The parks were actually manicured and cleaned and f- with flowers and plants and, and it looked like someone actually gave a crap. There wasn't trash everywhere. It was, it was a hundred times better than Chicago during COVID because I feel like during COVID, Chicago was really slipped oh, yeah, in, in really all those slick. areas. Whereas New York still is taking some pride during COVID, it's it would seem at least. Granted, I was only there for a few days, but we were we covered a lot of ground walking around uh, all over Manhattan, and uh, it, it it just it was noticeable to me how much safer it felt, how much cleaner it was, and uh, just the little things—the the art and the signs and the parks and the trains were just so much cleaner and safer.
2: We uh, tell you was one of the oddest experiences. Uh, we, when we stayed, I think it was maybe before I was on the board, I was, I stayed downtown near, near Wall Street, and we, we met people for dinner at, uh, I don't know, somewhere probably in, uh, Little Italy, which is what, uh, Canal Street, the Canal and Mulberry or yep. something. So, uh, so I take a cab down there, and you go by all these streets, and every, every store is vibrant, there's open, there's everything's a storefront, there's guys working. There's more small stores there than any place in the world, in the planet it seems, uh, the galaxy. And on the way back, they all, when they shut down, they take these big aluminum, essentially like garage doors, and just fold them down in front of the place because they don't want people looting at night. All of a sudden, I'm driving down these streets. I I felt like I felt like it was in Nazi Germany. I don't know. I had no idea where I was because they they close when 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 the the things come down. They cover up like the names of the stores. And every street was just as. This aluminum wall of crap of, of these doors on both sides it was it was freaky <laughs> like, like what if what if this camp driver let me off here I mean, I, I mean, I, there's, there's, there was no place. you couldn 't walk in a, a doorway for blocks because everybody everything was was slammed shut i mean I, I, it was weird
6: i mean I, it just makes the, the street dark because there 's no light yeah. coming from inside i yeah I know, I know what you 're saying
2: it <laughs> well, so, was so different than the than the ride the other way where everybody 's in there working and all that stuff and um, anyway, so Jan, we, I don't know if you heard her earlier. We we're trying to talk to a, little, a little bit about this. this I, I'm, I'm sure if, if you're in the in the world, the legal world, like he is, or, or you were and still are from time to time, this this uh, prosecutorial whatever discretion.
4: Discretion.
2: Yeah. Um, I tell you what, in my industry, I I I think it really sucks. I mean, <laughs> I mean, where some people, I mean, I, I I would I would have real problems prosecuting. The guy that they just nailed the other day in Chicago, knowing that some senator's walking around making 130 trades in a, and and walking out of meetings making trades, I, I I'd have to I'd have to say, Judge, let this guy go. I I, I mean, my, maybe my morals are, are screwed up or something, but I, I have a problem with that.
6: Well, and look at like you know the state's attorney in New York who's you know going to turn armed robbery cases into misdemeanors. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about discretion. Yeah. I mean, the, the fact that somebody could do that. You just rewrite the criminal code and decide that this is a corner you know, of malfeasance that we don't just pay, we're not going to pay any attention to it. This has just been completely downgraded. Um, it makes you think that you know that this is way too much power for any state's attorney or prosecutor to have to just legislate. You know who's going to be prosecuted and for what, and decide a whole class of people formerly you know at risk with the law are now just going to be overlooked. It's, it's pretty unbelievable. Well, you, you. you it's a dangerous kind of power,
2: that's for sure. It, but it really is. I, and, uh, you know, in terms of <laughs> prosecuting or not prosecuting, I, I was reading that, didn't the Illinois legislature just pass that we can, uh, that you can now bet on, uh, Illinois games in Illinois, Maddie? Didn't that just yeah. happen? Uh, does, I mean, you know, John, you and I aren't, aren't 20 years old anymore. Does anybody think that there's zero possibility? Of a gambler or somebody losing a bunch of money, and the, and the guy's kid playing for Illinois and the, and the, and the, and the bookie not going to uh, Illinois and saying, "Hey, buddy, I, I need a you better throw this game because your old man's getting his knee broke." Does anybody think that that like all of a sudden everybody's just cleaner in this world and, and nobody? How could they think that?
6: Tom? I mean, the know, whole I history know. of gambling is about
2: yeah doing
6: it and round, runs around you know a fair system if you can if you got the power and and you have the desire to do it. The, the system is always corruptible, and, um, yeah, I mean, it, how could it not happen?
2: I mean, we're going to have gambling like, by the inning, and ban- what, are you would be able to stand at the place of Wrigley now and, and bet on the next pitch, Matty, or what?
6: Like you were saying, or somebody was saying on I mean, your show what, last week, Tom, you know how long are these games going to take?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, <so> when,
6: <laughs> Six hours for a you know, single header?
2: <laughs> so, so we can gamble on every pitch? I mean, uh, I... <laughs> I mean, are they are they are they talking about being able to walk up to the to the window and then once the game starts and then be, and be betting
3: on stuff going on I mean, what are they talk, i mean or is this? um I, typically uh in vegas I think it's pretty difficult to to live bet in person at the window, so I think once a game starts, they shut it down but for the apps because it's all tracked by the second uh you can do that and so yeah you can if you if you want you can bet during the game the odds the odds change based on every situation they change change based on base runners outs uh you know obviously the score uh you know all that who's coming up in the lineup so yeah you can bet live bet throughout the game on the app but it would be difficult to do that at the window so you do some you, epic eighth and ninth innings I'll tell
2: you Well so you you can you can you can try and be a, a middler you know, where you can take the of course. Yeah. Okay, so the Cubs are are favored, and and you bet the Cubs, and then they they score eight runs. So the other guys are totally underdogs. You can you can turn around and bet the
3: other guys, and no matter who who wins, you you catch it in the middle. You can shoot for that, absolutely. Yeah, you can bet uh, over unders as the game goes on. It opens at over under eight and a half, and then it's it's two to one in the seventh inning, and now the the line's gone down to to four and a half or five and a half or whatever and you can try to middle totals as well um all that stuff
2: that's interesting
6: uh so speaking m- about discretion too tom I mean, we can pick this up again maybe on monday but the whole you know idea of the chicago teachers union to do what they did yeah <laughs> recently whoever made that choice and i suspect it was made in washington with the aft and not much the local unions call it's, it's really how things have to be seen when
2: it comes to the aft yeah. well,
6: it's all about mar- doing market research for the next strike that the aft
2: gets behind well, let's uh, see um, this one
6: decision by the teachers and i think you know they uh, i think they'll live to regret this kind of you know I- interference in some approach to normal again it, 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 they get 16 of their own workforce
2: well you know uh, some, some of the schools opened so. up let's, let's, let's talk about this on monday some of the schools Mount Greenwood is open yeah all Mount, time.
6: kudos to Mount greenwood yeah. and that that didn 't happen in the two thousand and nineteen strike no you didn 't have any you know, in great numbers people just defying what the union wanted and they, they, the settlement agreement that they they came to was ratified you know by short of fifty six percent so that that tells me there 's a deeply divided union, and what 's really at stake here is the confidence in their leadership so I think there 'll be a, a shake up and it will be interesting to see how aft plays with, you know, along with
2: this because it, it may end up with an even more radicalized Well they created a problem where they didn't have one SB Futures up 11, SB Futures up 53 Back tomorrow, Stocks and Jackson, John will be back on Monday, we'll continue this one uh, Have a good Thursday What do we learn Palmer? I don't know sir I don't know either, I
6: guess we learned not to do it
2: again
3: Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit hamzianalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.